I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Criminal Kerfuffle. So on Monday's episode, property redevelopment has never been so tasty as Bob Hoskins' dreams fell apart in the long Good Friday. And today, we meet the challenger. It's the film that reportedly landed Daniel Craig the role of 007, as his cool-as-ice drug dealer suddenly has more on his plate than he'd like, with fake gangsters, Serbian war criminals, and a punch-up in a greasy spoon. It's a hell of a debut from director Matthew Vaughan, but is it good enough to see off the long Good Friday? From 2004, oh crumbs, it's layer cake. At the end of this episode, we will have a winner, but which film will be crowned champion? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. You get out into the world, you take more shit. You climb a little higher, you take less shit. Till one day, you're up in the rarefied atmosphere and you've forgotten what shit even looks like. Welcome to the Layer Cake, son. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Now, don't forget, I'm going to say it early. Do follow us on Twitter if you haven't done already. We are at ClashPod. There's all sorts of extras about each movie we cover on there and also the clues to upcoming episodes. And also do rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It is hugely appreciated. So, as I said, it's part two of this week's Criminal Kerfuffle. These were Chris's choices. Chris, reminders of what connects these two films. Crime does not pay for Cockney Corleone's. Now, on reflection, I guess the character in Layer Cake isn't really... He's more a drug dealer than a full-on gangster, but I've got a clue that... uh, I've got a quote that actually connects these two films that I found during my research on the Layer Cake DVD. There's a QA and a with Matthew Vaughan and Daniel Craig at the NFT, and on that, Matthew Vaughan says, maybe Michael Gambon's character is Bob Hoskins 25 years later if he hadn't been killed. He sees a parallel between those two characters himself. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I can see that. Mm. It's nice that he actually is connecting the DNA of these movies because I wanted to talk about that later on, but we'll get there. So I took us through a day in the life of the Long Good Friday on Monday. And now, Victoria, we turn to you. Take us on a journey. Old Blue Eyes, not that one, Daniel Craig, tries to prove he's the smartest guy in the room and audition for Bond in 2004's Layer Cake. One of these things he manages and the other he doesn't, as his nameless drug dealer is forced to descend the social strata, or at Layer Cake, of his particular London drug dealing scene. He's about to walk away with a cool mill, then ends up embroiled by some right muppets in one last job to find a missing girl and a million pills. Despite being telegraphed repeatedly as a clever boy, although he does manage to appease the Serbians, kill a grass, steal the pills back and secure his place back up the cake to become icing, he doesn't figure of the most basic rule of all, don't shag another man's bird. And if this synopsis has excluded anything essential, there's a snappy 10-minute voiceover at the start of the film which will fill you in. (laughs) Nice. (sighs) Yeah. I'm not a gangster. I'm a businessman, giving people what they want. Don't live the king. You're a smart boy, but you keep very bad company. We work to a few golden rules. Three million done. Keep a very low profile. Never be too greedy. You know what? People like you can't leave this business because you make too much money for people like me. But I've always said, quit while you're ahead. Just give me a day. I am the target. There's a lot on people's heads off. I will be watching you. You're gonna need all of these. When I hate guns. Although that one is really pretty. So. This is the first time I'd seen this, mm. which I and I thought I'd seen it uh, because I just got it confused with the other films that are a lot like this. <laughs> I, I thought, but just to get over the fact, like to sort of gloss over the fact that I hadn't seen it, we can play a little game throughout it called Bond or Not Bond. Ready? Adjusting cufflinks. Bond yeah. using a payphone. Not Bond. Right. Okay. I got it. Um, have you got any thrilling tales to tell me about when you first saw this film? I have, actually. I've, I got, I've got a bit of a history with this one because <laughs> I uh, was working at Hot Dog, my first uh, job in film at the time, and um, we were based in Bournemouth, came up to London for a screening of this because I pulled the short straw. No one wanted to see this film uh, because it was the directorial debut of Guy Ritchie's Producer. producer. Yeah. And so, as Guy, as Vanty Vaughan himself said, everyone's expecting this film to be a piece of shit when I spoke to him. <laughs> um, and so, I watched the film at the Soho screening rooms and got out and immediately phoned the office and said, we got to put this one on the cover. It's that good. Daniel Craig is amazing. I felt like I've seen the next James Bond. This has to be... Uh, a big feature and a cover a cover movie for us. And so it got in an argument with the guys that ran the company. They didn't want Daniel Craig. So we went for Sienna Miller. We were going to put her on the cover because at that time we were putting actresses in bikinis on the cover to try and sell more because we were dying. And she didn't want to be on the cover because she wanted to wait until she was in a bigger film. And so it ended up being further down the magazine, sadly. But um, because of that, I went up to London again. I interviewed Matthew Vaughan at his office 
and that was terrifying. He had two giant Alsatians he just bought. Oh my god! Breathing down on me while I was interviewing him, and he said, "Do you want me to get rid of them?" And I didn't want to look like a wimp, so I said, "No, I'm fine." <laughs> I sat there terrified for the duration. I interviewed <coughs> Daniel Craig um, at my first time at Soho House. Interviewed him there, and then JJ Connolly, the author. I interviewed him at the Sanderson, another really posh place. Yeah, and um, so I got some good sort of original quotes and stories from those guys. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. So I guess my story uh, falls somewhere between both of these stories. <laughs> and I really did um and ah about telling this story, but I'm just going to tell it because this is the first time I've watched this movie. And yeah, I remembered in 2004, I interviewed Daniel Craig about this movie. <laughs> so I've sat down with Daniel Craig and interviewed him about a film that I hadn't seen. Oh, which, naughty. Yeah, it's really, really bad. In my defence, I was at MTV at the time and our film interviews were slightly more mtv mm-hmm. And so we weren't, you know, it was... It's a time I'm happy to have put behind me because you sort of you're those people who are going to a, a junket interview and are trying to get something unique, something a bit crazy, something wacky. Yeah. yeah, and like no one wants to do that, and I don't want to do that. And thankfully, I don't have to do that anymore. But at the time, that was it. And I do remember coming out thinking Daniel Craig was absolutely hilarious. And I don't know whether it's a line he's used before or because I, I just I still struggle with the idea that he came up with this joke in the moment. So I was like, so this layer cake thing, explain it to me. So it's like it's the different social hierarchies, isn't it, in the, the criminal world? So the, the the highest people are the icing on the top, and then you go down through the layers of the cake to the the bottom rung of the ladder. So you've just met me. Where would I be in this cake? And he went without missing a beat. You'd be the plate. <laughs> That's very good. And to this day, I'm like, he must have used that before. It was too quick and too no, good. Because it's a weird question to ask. I can't imagine yeah. people were firing that question at him. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Oh, so... I wish he'd been that good in my bloody interview. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he was lovely. Uh, and I do like Daniel Craig. And it was good to finally watch the movie. I would suggest he's had media training since he did. he was doing press for Layer Cake. That would be my... Opinion based it's, on spending half an hour with him that day. I uh, recently interviewed him in New York for uh, No Time to Die uh, when it was coming out uh, a lot earlier this year, pre-COVID, and um, and it was the best interview uh, he's ever done. So gradually over the years, he's got better and better, or I've got better and better. But I you, don't and, know. And you've got to know him a little bit as well, covering all the Bond films. And I've got to know him. And there is obviously a trust in these interviews when you sit down with someone and they know who you are mm. and like they know you're not going to go, so where would I be in this cake? Um but he uh, also, I think, you know, I think being able to sort of be free of like pretending to leave Bond and then not leaving Bond mm. and then being able to be honest and going, this is the last Bond I am doing. And they're not needing to be that sort of grey area to keep people hooked on what's going on was really freeing for him. And I think at the time of Layer Cake, I think he was dating Kate Moss, if I remember. So it was his first exposure to sort of proper paparazzi. And I think he was deeply suspicious of the press and mm. so being very careful with all his interviews. So... Hell of a performance, though. Mm. Yes, I agree. Um, I don't have much background. Um, as we've said, it's Matthew Vaughan's directorial, directorial debut, but it was going to be a Guy Ritchie film. Obviously, Matthew Vaughan being Guy Ritchie's producer, but he was off doing Revolver. So after working with J.J. Connolly to adapt his own book into the screenplay, then he's up for directing. Um, but this is the trouble, because I didn't see it at the time, although I thought I did, I don't have the shock of how good Daniel Craig is because he's so Bond in it. 
um, and it elevates it massively, I think. Um, and apparently the stories go that it did swing it for him when he was up against other actors um, when it came to getting Bond because he showed such terrific charm um, and just was properly Bond in it. I have a quick question. Uh, when you said earlier that you came out of the screening and got on the phone to Hot Dog, yeah. um, well, I, I think I've just seen the next Bond, yeah, yeah, yeah. were rumours circulating already then or was that so. just something you, you literally thought? It felt like he was auditioning. It honestly felt like you could totally see it. Uh, yeah, I don't think I was alone in coming up with that. It was just something that was that came off the screen. Because it happens a lot with young English actors, I think. When someone gives a Bond-like performance, you're like, oh, that's the next Bond. Yeah. And I think we... I can't remember what the state of play was with Bond, whether Brosnan was already out or whether we... You know. But, um, yeah, I don't think I was being clever by saying that. I think okay. it was just... I think everyone had the same opinion when they saw it. It's so weird. I, I, well, no, because I've only watched it for the first time this week, so hindsight's twenty twenty. But I didn't see that much Bond in this I really didn't are you mad I am maybe I am well maybe play I... my game as I will we go do. through Bond or not Bond I look forward okay. to it Good. Yeah. that'll be a test of what I know the, the, the writing of the script JJ Connolly did one of your favourite things Vicky what's that so um, well how it happened he wrote the book because he said he was sick and tired of seeing gangsters and drug dealers portrayed as idiots reading between the lines I think that was a dig at Guy Ritchie and a lot of when I look back at the interview I reread it uh, this week there's a lot of digs at Guy Ritchie I think that these guys were having as they were sort of trying to come out from his shadow but um, he met Matthew Vaughan at a football match and they sort of hit it off and he gave him the book and he liked the book uh, JJ went and wrote a 400 page draft <laughs> so yeah. it, you know roughly what they say is is a page is a minute of film so that would be a very long film a very long film <laughs> So uh, they cut it down together. But, it's interesting, um, though, isn't it? Because it's a weird one. And it, this isn't why I didn't go and see it. MTV were fairly loose with telling me what screenings were. So just to clarify, this wasn't an active choice <laughs> on my part. I wasn't like, you need to be at the screening. And I went, screw that. I'm going out. It was just I, I didn't uh, get an invite. Uh, so I did feel the same way that Matthew Vaughan felt about his own film, which is that kind of thing. I wasn't that excited about this because I was like, mm. it's not Guy Ritchie. And yeah. at, the, at that point, I was like, bloody Guy Ritchie's brilliant. You know, he'd just done Snatch and yeah. obviously um, Lockstock. So I yeah. was really excited to see a Guy Ritchie movie and this sort of felt like, you know, and wrongly so, I'm not saying it's right, but it just did feel like something had been sort of handed to his second in command yeah. rather than have the guy himself do it. But talking to Vaughan, he said literally Lockstock started out as a serious film that became funny. Latch, a Snatch was definitely supposed to be completely 100% serious and then it became funny he said so we kept trying to do this and it kept not happening and he said my sensibility is much more serious than guys and i wanted to cast actors rather than sportsmen and villains and and so jj initially actually wrote a funnier script but in in keeping with what vaughan wanted to do he managed to make the gangster film that they'd been trying to but for whatever reason hadn't man, hadn't hadn't succeeded with and that is its biggest strength the fact mm. that I, because it is so much uh more threatening uh and menacing uh, at times than Obviously, lock, stock, and snap. It's funny, but it's not comedy, ultimately, yeah. which I think yeah. is what sets it apart. Um, there are two endings, which I'm sure you know about. So there's the ending, which, spoiler. Um, well, let's call him Mr. X. So you don't know Daniel Craig's name in the film. You don't know his name in the book. In the film, he's credited as Mr. Like Double X, Double X. Did you, did you notice that you'd not heard his name? Oh my God, it did my head in. The bit in the pay form is like, you need my name. As if I give a shit what your name is. Like, don't hang a narrative thread on do I know your name or not because why is it important also I'm jumping ahead to my feelings here but if you're the smartest guy in the room and then you say to me if you knew my name you'd be as smart as me and then you get shot you're not that smart <laughs> no. to be fair I think in the phone box though I just read that as the fact that he didn't want to obviously give the police well, just hang name. up then 
again like the whole scene he's like my name like right. oh you're asking my name just go there's a body bye I never clocked not it though did you, did you clock it or not no I didn't no I didn't at all he makes a big winky point of it all the time he's like I can't possibly tell you my well, name yeah. like him then I'm not as clever as I thought I was yeah and I am the smartest man in the room so <laughs> the oh, smartest f- man in the room yeah <laughs> That's sad. Um, so yeah, the the ending, Mr. X gets shot by Sydney, who is the Duke's nephew. The Duke is a character we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but there was a secret love ending. It. I love it when you start with the end of it. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I missed us talking about the entire film. No, I'm getting that there. was fast. Chris, you had a nap. Uh, you've been asleep. Welcome back, Vicky. Just uh, she did the whole film for us. It, it was it wasn't great. We I did just, it. I just we did a game. Uh, bond or not bond? It wasn't as good as she made it out to be. <laughs> Untrue. Um, but there was this, there's another ending where he gets to ride. Should off we do that at the end? Like, yeah, fine, <laughs> yeah. fine, 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 fine. There's a reason for chronology. I suppose what I'm trying to do is like meet out my emotion because when we start talking about the film, I think my emotion is going to be fairly uh, obvious. Okay. But fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? So this section, I'm I'm only going to name one section because it's something Chris does, and I wanted to copy it because I quite like it. Mm. It's called. 10 minute voiceover also that's a hell of a boots which <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> just a bit me laugh anyway we open this film with a 10 minute voiceover and it annoyed the shit out of me if you are adapting a book into a screenplay then please adapt it into a screenplay right <laughs> I, just for me it played on all my insecurities that if I was JJ Connolly I would be so desperate to prove I could do both that I would be so against the idea of voiceover because it's such a cop out now let me explain right. what no 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 I was just I was just going to say I mean in the in the book, his character is called the narrator. So. Yes. Okay. We'll find another way of doing it. It's not a fucking book now, is it? It's a film now. Yeah. So work hard. Is work harder. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. So the problem is, so not just to be too mean about our oh, hate voiceovers, because let's just think about one of the greatest voiceovers of all time in a gangster film. So ever since I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster from Goodfellas. Now, why that works is because it's very much focused on I. And also it's fucking brilliant. And the way it's cut and the explosion is fucking awesome. But it keeps it within I. So I, I, I. And you as the audience think, OK, cool. We'll go on this journey with you. Daniel Craig opens with... Back in my day or something like that, the world was a simpler place. He said, when I was born. When I was born, the world was a simpler place, cops and robbers. So you immediately just think, well, was it? Because then you're in my world, like you've thrown it back to me and it just takes you out of the film because you're like, well, no, it wasn't. It was never simple. Also, that's a very long-winded way of saying, do we need a rundown of yes, drugs are illegal and yes, you can make money from them? Because I live here and Mm. I fucking know that. Mm. So it just really frustrated me, the whole thing. And I'm only being that exacting because the thing with voiceover is if you're going to do it, it has to be incredible because it screams cop out instantly. But... Could we have had the wonderful, uh, that's a hell of a boots, uh, <laughs> FC UK cocaine and all of that, the graphics on screen, which looks brilliant if there wasn't a voiceover to back it up? There's a way of doing it, yeah. Um, we'll do another podcast called Writing Tips <laughs> with really well-known writer Vicky Crompton. Um, but the point is as well, this is, I don't know how the book solves this problem, but it's a, it's a core issue for me is we are constantly told he's clever, he's clever. He's not greedy. He tells us, I'm not greedy. So if you are clever, you're not ruthless, and we are not watching your ascent in the way that you are in Goodfellas and many other gangster films where you're seeing someone climb to the top, like claw and kill their way to the top, and we are kind of watching a descent, but if you're as smart as he says he is, 
and that you're told he is, you don't get pulled into something like this film unless it's what you wanted all along. And there are many scenes where he's like, I can't do that. I'm not the right man for that job. Like, why is it oh, not? Are we told that off? I'm not. I'm not. Did I watch? I'm just checking. I haven't watched the wrong film for the second time. But Michael Gambon says to him, you're a clever boy. Someone else says to him, Eddie says to him, he's like, you're a, cl- you're a clever lad. All of that is constantly right. telegraphed. He's a smart guy. It okay. just is. Okay, okay. But the problem is... Oh, so I'm, I'm going to jump ahead, but also, fuck it, I don't care. Um, there's a huge reveal somewhere in the sort of uh, first act, second act, that his boss, Jimmy, he's fucking working with the Rosses, isn't he? He's a grass, yeah? Yeah. If you're clever, you would not be that surprised because I was not that surprised. Oh, my God. I was surprised. I'll piss off. No, I was surprised. And also, if you want him to be as smart as you sound like you want him to be, then yeah, do, yeah. there is no movie because he knows there is a everything. Movie. There is a movie. It's called sort of The Usual Suspects. There is a movie there where it's all been one long con trick by him uh. to end up where he ends up. Okay. Better film. But I, th- I think you're missing the point of the ending, though, is that he's not as clever but then, so, yeah, was. but then that's fine. But why do the why do why do older, wiser men keep telling him what a smart boy he is? Because they think he is, but he's not as, as smart as anyone thought he was. And so that's the that's okay. the, that's almost like the twist at the end. I feel like yeah, and maybe they're selling him down the river by telling him he's that smart, <laughs> so he ends up doing what they actually really want him to do oh, under nice. this yeah. under this false belief that yeah. he is that smart. Because people keep going, "You're a clever boy," and then also not to be like it's unfair on this film because I'm watching it thinking Bond would not let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> so the the sort of the thread of the plot is that Daniel Craig's Mr X he's getting out but his boss Jimmy pulls him back in to find a, a cocaine addicted girl who brilliantly she's called Charlie so good writing there and sort out some right fucking mess that the Duke has got them into he's stolen a fuck ton of pills from Arsene Wenger so he's got to get them back um, and then mm, interesting you called him Arsene Wenger yeah he's Slavo Mm. who is wanted for war crimes and ethnic cleansing. But where else have we seen him, Vicky? In that, even though I've just said, Goal! He's in Goal, he's the manager in Goal, yes! (laughs) I forgot the name of the film. (laughs) I've never heard Goal shouted like that. (laughs) Goal! (laughs) You've never heard it shouted, you've not got to sports. And thankfully I missed that show, so I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, And then sort of racing through the plot a little bit, but I've got stuff to say... Um, Things get worse because Mr. X's muscle, who's called Morty, he kicks the shit out of someone in a greasy spoon, which then implicates Mr. X a little bit. So that greasy spoon. I know this. The Regency Cafe. Rocket Man and your house. Yes! You got them both! You got them both! I used to live across the road from there, and obviously it's where Elton and Bernie met in Rocket Man, as we recently discussed. And it's a really lovely cafe as well. And is it really called the Regency Cafe? It is, yeah. yeah. It's, on, it's on Regency Street. Just It's just by Channel 4. I will say, that one of the things this film does well is sell the shit out of their fry-ups. Because oh, yeah. even though it was meant to be disgusting when Freddie is shoveling that down, I was like... Yum. Oh, my God. I don't even <laughs> eat bacon, but I could go for some fucking bacon right now. <laughs> and I'd eat it with my bloody fingers and all. It sets up the scene for a very beautiful looking and entertaining, but I feel ultimately pointless flashback where you understand the dynamics between Morty, Gene and Larry, who yeah. is... Is, is that crazy? I, I'd completely forgotten that flashback. I, yeah. So that it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't stay with you. I think it's just so he could get Jason Fleming into his film. Which is fine, <laughs> obviously. Fine. Which is fine, because Jason <laughs> oh, Fleming the best. is absolutely wonderful. My, whenever anyone asks me, who's your favourite person to interview? Fleming. Yep, My number one. Me too. He once told me an incredible story uh, um, about uh, working on... 
Oh, at the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And he was up on a stage and it was Sean Connery's first day and he was walking in and um, and he didn't know whether to offer Sean Connery a hand up onto this stage because he didn't want to sort of be disrespectful if Sean could get up on his own. And uh, in the end, he didn't offer him a hand and Sean Connery walked up and he was like, oh, hello, Sean. And Sean Connery went, Sean Connery went well, are you going to give me a fucking hand, you cunt? <laughs> <laughs> Legend. <laughs> um, and the Serbs who owned the pills or made the pills are on his case. They want him back. And so Mr. X gets a gun. Bond. So mm. Bond. You, bond, you, Bond, Bond. I think there's even a, a second where he's in the shower with the gun and you see him raise the gun up to the mirror. There is. It's the opening. It's yeah. the Bond. I saw opening. that. Okay, yeah. Bond or not Bond. It's Bond. It's Bond. And he gets a very good line here when he's first sort of talking to the, the man that's hunting him called Dragon, who's a Serb. Who, do you know who he's played by? No. A bloke called Dragon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was really upset when I looked it up and it's D-R-A-G-A-N. I of was course like, it is, yeah. yeah. I wanted him to be actually called Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. Dragon. No, he's called Dragon. Well, I think that's Serbian for Dragon, so it's fine. Well, okay. So the funny line, which I really liked, when they're on the phone, he's like, can we not sort this out? Why don't you come around for breakfast? And he's like, all right, then I will do. And he's like, well, do, you, do you know where I live? And he says, no, because we'll fuck off then. Yeah. <laughs> which is absolutely brilliant. Not Bond, but good. Um, there's a bit of... Uh, God. Let's get Sienna Miller into the plot somehow. She can dance a bit, so he instantly fancies it, which is kind of fair enough. Can dance? Mm. Can she not dance? She just does this. Smokes a fag. You can't see what Vicky's doing right now. You need to describe. <laughs> I look exactly like her. And you then do actually. Hair. You do look like mm, her. Easy. Um, that's that's dancing. That's that is that's that's more dancing than I'm capable of. So whenever I see someone dance on film, you know, I mean, when we were talking about Caddyshack, uh, I was like, you know, uh, the dancing in that. I've forgotten his name. Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield's yeah. bloody dancing in there. To me, that's not joking. That's a fucking great dancer. <laughs> and the gopher. The fucking gopher. The way he moves his little hips. Yeah, I little, think the little go for hips. The trouble for me here is she's introduced to him, and there's like pow chemistry. They're definitely going to shag each other, but that is never fully, I say, fully developed at all. Developed if you fancy someone so instantly that you're going to fuck off your boyfriend who's Ben Wishaw, um, then maybe have a conversation or maybe let's get into it a little bit. But all she's there to do, which is not her fault, is do some sexy dancing, put on some suspenders, and fuck all else. And that is a wasted opportunity. Is she not though the kind of girl who is just going to do that? She's How the fuck would you she, know? She, she's she's moving away up through these men. You're reading something into it that's just not there. I feel like I'm looking at a gangster's mole. Yeah. Who's seen a more powerful gangster and is just moving on to him? Mm. Yeah, but she's then... seen some icing. Just to use the cake. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> she's seen some icing. She's, she's seen a cherry. She's yeah. She's she's looking at the top of the cake right there. The smartest man in the room. And He's also, not smart. Also, Ben Ben Whishaw, who is brilliant in this. Wait, is, drives a yellow Range Rover. Not Bond. That's you're welcome. That's not Ben Whishaw. That's uh, the Duke. Yeah, but then he inherits the he inherits the Range Rover. Well, yeah, I guess so. But also, he wears a red shirt with a black suit, uh, which I'm, I didn't I didn't like what he's wearing. I think he night. I think he's dressed brilliantly. He looks like a little sort of spotty teenager. That's unsure, hard. yeah, unsure of his way in the world, and that's why he wants Daniel Craig to have a drink with him and wants to impress him. I thought he played that really He's well. He's beautifully cast because he doesn't, for a second, seem threatening. Yeah, and that's the that's the genius of that character. Yeah, and also uh, I do disagree. I think the look that Daniel Craig gives Sienna Miller when he sees her for the first time, I was sold on the whole love at first sight thing. Okay, but if it's love, that you're sweet. But so I before am. he can shagger. He's kidnapped, right? Make, make love, but yes. 
Okay. Thank you, Alex. Thanks. <laughs> Finally, so eh? <laughs> Some respect for what you two get up to. So crude. But after he disappears, she doesn't even come looking for him. So there's just she she puts on her lovely underwear and then he's gone and she gets the reaction shot, which makes her look like a bit of a twat. Mm. But then there's no scene where she's like, I'm gonna go and find you. Like, it's a good reaction shot when she realises he's gone, though, because she goes from being this seductress to a sort of lost little girl in one sort of gesture, yeah. which I thought was really good, because there's not a lot to do with that scene other than look a bit sort of like, oh, oh fucking hell. Fuck. But she looks, she manages to, um, like, her this this whole persona of being this ultra-confident, like, seductress mm-hmm. uh, just falls away in, in that second because it's sort of gone wrong and she doesn't know why. I thought she looked very innocent in she that ma- moment. Yeah, it makes the most of what she's been which, given. Which is unusual in Asian provocateur uh, underwear. Oh, you spotted the bag. Very good. Yeah. All right. yeah. <laughs> I think if you look at the female characters for a second, I can understand that not much work was done for mm. them. Sally Hawkins' character, she's fucking brilliant, but her character is, uh, let's shout, and Sienna Miller's character is, you be sexy. And there is nothing more that they get to do. Mm. However, I think that sort of lack of development is also reflected in the men characters. I don't see them as friends. I don't see them as a gang. I don't see their relationship. Like, I think that people thought it would sell because it's like naughty boys all together. But who are they to each other? Like, when they, when Gene and Morty and Mr. X are sort of a gang towards the end... I kind of felt it then when they're saying to Mr. X, you're going to be our boss now. And it's like, oh, this is cool. Like you, I can see that you've got some chemistry. But prior to that, they're just men in a room. Yeah, but I think that's kind of the the film's, uh, not fault, but they're not a gang really, are they? Because they all have, uh, like Gene, for example, Cole Meany's character is the... Uh, right-hand man of Jimmy Price. And then Jimmy gets offed and then it takes a while for Colmini to come round to, like, viewing Daniel Craig as, okay, yeah. I see why you did it now. See, there is there is a good sort of 20 minutes where Colmini is interacting with Daniel Craig but isn't really with him yet. I think yeah. if they're all mates and pally, you've got a, more like a Guy Ritchie film. Whereas I think yep. this is a group of people who are deeply suspicious of each other. As I think X is trying to tell us, he's in business with these people. He doesn't want to be friends with them. Yep. He's, he's getting in to get as much money as he can and get out. I think the, for me, so the, so we're getting onto it, but there's the scene where, the, the big scene where it's really where this film is really good and I just would have liked more of this because if it isn't going to be a Guy Ritchie film, there are elements to it that are still cartoony, but it's not as funny as a Guy Ritchie film. I like Guy Ritchie films because they are fucking hilarious. Mm. But the scene after, when when um, Mr. X finds out that Jimmy's a fucking grass and it's the biggest surprise in the whole wide world. Yep. So he kills him. But he doesn't he doesn't take it well and he doesn't take it lightly. And he doesn't... I mean, although, to be fair, for someone who doesn't get his hands dirty and he doesn't know what a gun is, <clears throat> excuse me, he tools up and becomes an assassin pretty fucking quick, but... Yeah, I for me, the whole um, Jimmy being a grass thing, and it's not this film's fault, it's just the order in which I watch them, but I'd already, I've already seen Guy Ritchie's Rock and Roller, and <laughs> that's Tom Wilkinson's fucking character in Rock and Roller. This guy who's been a grass the whole time, despite being the crime boss. But so it's... I'd seen that beat, and so despite the fact that this came out before it, like to me, I was like, I was on familiar ground. And also it deals in such binary as well. Like, it's like, in, you know, in The Departed, it's like everyone's, everyone's in a bit of each other's pockets all the time. Like you're not just a grass or just a gangster. There are so many shades of grey, which are better explored, actually, on telly, probably. But in this, Daniel Craig's like, oh, well, if he's a grass, then that's it. He's my enemy. And it's like, well, 
That's not how it works, and surely. That's, that's why you've ascended uh, the criminal underworld so quickly, because of your understanding of there being different shades of grey. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a bit of a grass, but I also get the job done. I look after my boys, but I am a bit of a grass. So, Say you know, nothing. But, Say nothing. But that, that scene, aren't we just watching Eddie Temple move the pieces? Uh, like We're seeing how yeah. he's, he's the puppet master here, and he completely goads X into wanting to kill Jimmy. And I think, yeah. although you, he does kill him, um, he hesitates, and then we do see him suffering yeah, and the, effects, the, the yeah. after effects of having killed someone. So it's not as simple as, yeah. you know. I mean, the long shower thing is a bit of a cliche, like, but in, you see it in lots of stuff, you know, from washing the blood off your hands to just sort of coming to and having a private moment to think about mm. what you've done. But it's you've got the scene where he can't sleep and he's looking mm. at himself in the mirror and the snap cut where he's like, he's dressed and he's ready to go out and he's kind of throwing it off. I thought that was really good. Mm. And I just wanted more of that throughout this film, which would have made it a different film. But you don't see it in Guy Ritchie films because everyone just like gets a shooter and that's it. Mm. But the impact of what you do in that line of work isn't, it's not the you know it's, that's Agreed. not the arena for it, but which it would is, have been good to see more of that. Which is what separates this film from those Guy mm. Ritchie movies: the fact that you do see consequence, and, and, and that's partly what that voiceover the start is to, to not just to tell us the rules of the of this world, which we kind of already know if we're not idiots. But also, it's him telling us that he is not one of these guys, even though ultimately he becomes that, or he, he always was. But he's trying to tell us that he's not one of those guys. Um, we will talk more about it after a short break. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So this, this, I find it difficult to put this into, which is actually very worrying for me if I'm trying to write anything. So this is a, one of the problems I've got is because Daniel Craig's mistake seems quite unknowable. When scenes cut, did you watching it ever feel like, oh, I know where he's going next? Because I didn't. 
So he walks into scenes, he walks into rooms. It's very quickly obvious what he's doing, but I never felt like, oh, I know where you're going because I know what's important to you. Well, I'm not just being contrary, but that's because we don't know because we're not as smart as him because he's the (laughs) smartest man in the room. But no, I do know what you mean. It's weird because, and I think, again, I I don't know how fair it is to keep comparing this to a Guy Ritchie Mm. film, except that... It does have that very intertwined plot uh, that, you know, various different uh, disparate events happen and then they all link up at the end, which is, you know, like a Guy Ritchie film. But that's, uh, I, I think the thing is, if anything, because Guy Ritchie films oversimplify that so much, like, go there, get that shooter, then we're going to the Pikey's camp, then we're doing that and that. And it's like, right, it's all laid out for me. So because this doesn't do it, which is possibly a better way of doing it because it's a more intelligent film, I am left a little bit going... Sorry, what's going on there? Yeah, I wasn't sure where people were. Like, Col Meany spends a lot of time, like, under railway arches. In a bunker. <laughs> just World there, War II bunker. waiting for Daniel Craig to come yeah. back. The scene, this is a really boring scene, but the scene where it's all gone wrong... And Daniel Craig goes to his accountant's office and it's been cleaned out. So he's got no money. I wasn't sure watching. I wasn't sure where he was going for a start because I didn't know that money was that important to him. Obviously, it's important to everyone. But I wasn't like, but to you, it's particularly important. And then he goes there and he's been cleaned out. And I was like, well, do you give a shit? Like, I don't really know how, how big a deal that is. Because I think in the voiceover at the start, he's saying that money's very important to him. The only reason he's doing this yeah, but is that's to the make... Problem, isn't it? The minute you've done it in voiceover, I mm. already don't care. Like, you can show it. You you can show it rather than tell it. But okay, but they have told you that. I think the, the, the I think it's interesting what you're saying about him not knowing what he's going to do next. I think that is the idea of this character that he remains anonymous for the whole film. He's supposed to be able to easily disappear, to be able to mix in with any level of society. They very purposely didn't really give him an accent. He's not Cockney. He's not you know Daniel Craig's more Scouse accent at the time. He doesn't show any emotion. He's this guy that can just. He's almost like a chameleon. Yeah, it can pull off standing in an estate agent's office and fit in there. That's true. <laughs> but the problem with that is, I get what you're saying, and you're not. I don't think you're wrong, but it's just he does have character flaws. So when he's like, right, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to assassinate Dragon with this Scouse sniper. Mm. But he fucks it up. Not Bond. Yep. But the problem is, if you're you fucked it up, so we've got to feel sorry for you, or we've got to laugh at you, or we've got to be scared for you. But if we don't know you, and you're not being that smart, you're not being the one thing that we've been told you are. What am I supposed to feel in this moment? Yeah, I mean, let me just say, I really enjoy this. But listening to you uh, now, uh, I'm sort of starting to uh, realise there are certain holes in, in this. But one of the big ones for me was perhaps not quite realising that he was going to walk off and say I'm out at the end. I thought he'd just sort of taken Jimmy Price's place. I forgot that that was uh, yeah. his plan to leave in the final scene. So I was like, oh, OK, so you're off. I thought you were, I thought you were going to take over. Fair enough. Yeah, and then we've got... Uh, his old mate Dexter Fletcher no I was confused by this we've met Dexter Fletcher earlier in a nightclub where he's like pulling a trick on some girls pretending to be an an aristocrat of some sort but he is the person that's dispatched to find Charlie Um, and then later on he pops up when this raid is taking place that are going to move the pills the pills that Daniel Craig needs turns out Dexter Fletcher's a copper or is he? Like, oh, was he pretending yeah. to be a police officer? I, I, I didn't work that out. It was going to be a question, actually, because I'm not sure if he's pretending to be a copper, uh, but there are real coppers there who there don't know be. that he's oh, not a real maybe copper. maybe not. So the whole thing was 
I thought maybe the whole mm. thing was a, 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 a set where oh, everyone is okay. not a copper. Yeah, yeah. okay, all... fine. But it looks like coppers. Yeah. Oh, I didn't to see trick that. Them, which is why Daniel Craig's like, don't kill them. Don't put the gun down, Gav. We need to get on the boat and get out of here. Yeah. Oh, okay. I missed that. There is a nice touch, the fact that on that boat, uh, he is the one who, within that scenario, oh, as yeah. far as Sydney's concerned, mm. at least, to save his life and stop him going to jail, yeah. stop him being bloody drowning, and then he ends up being the yeah. one who kills him. He, and not spoil that to some, he saved yeah. Sydney's life, yeah. and then really Sydney's good. the one who ultimately kills oh, him. Oh, that makes that better. So if it, the whole thing is an elaborate trick, because he's smart, hmm? that's perfect. Because otherwise I was like, so you know about the police, because Dexter Fletcher's a police officer, so you're kind of a grass as well, mm. or you're working both sides of the fence. Yeah. Or police, we're expected to believe police officers are so stupid that someone turns up, he's like, yeah, I'm here. And they're like, well, that must be the boss because he shouted at us. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's I think it's that they were all actors. And the reason that they carry on that uh, thing outside is because they know they're being watched still at that point right, by okay. Dragon. <laughs> I miss that. That's my fault. Um, so giving the Duke's head... The Duke's had his head cut off Great because um, <laughs> because Gene killed him earlier because he was just giving it all that. Um, that appeases the Serbians somehow. Yeah, they don't really seem to care about their pills. There's plenty more pills where they came from. Problem with these pills. Um, we only see them tested once, and they look too strong. Oh to, my god, to they're me. brown. Like yeah. don't I was, so don't take them. I mean, they 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 looked they look questionable. And the one guy who takes them, he's like, he's not like, having a nice time. No, he's just skew if he's not gone out, has he? No. So I was like, I was like, I don't think these are million pound pills. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. They're not million pound pills. They're a million pills. A million pills, but like, yeah, sorry, a million pills <laughs> yeah. worth five million, according well, to someone. He sells them to Gambon for three million, yeah. but obviously that doesn't go according to plan. Regardless, brown pills. I agree with you. Dirty it, pills. It, think twice. <laughs> think twice before Kids. having a brown pill <laughs> or any pill, just just to keep us uh, employed. So then we get. Gambon's layer cake speech, which mm. explains to Daniel Craig that one day you'll be where I am, which is ripping you off. Gene's not going to do anything about it. Morty's not going to do anything about it because they're, what's he called them? Fuck pigs or something? Like, I can't remember. <laughs> what? But, sorry. Do you remember where Gambon's I, I zoned out because I was trying to work out where they're saying don't take brown pills uh, or any pills. It's, going, it's caused more problems than it should have done. And then I turned back to you thinking, I'll just rejoin this conversation. And there's you sitting opposite me going, fuck pigs. And I'm like, what bit did I miss? I think. In, he's in the warehouse with Gambon. Gambon's going, you'll be where I am one oh, day, yes. son. Back up the cake. Yep. And he does a tannoy thing yep. to say, Gene and Morty aren't going to do it because they're fuck pigs, That's right. I think. That's right, because he's so Stop powerful. Saying. Stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> really horrible. I don't mind it. Does it upset you? It's, it's, there's something wrong with it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't mind it at all. Um, but you mentioned Gambon. He's Eddie Temple. Uh, he pops up three times in this film looking very orange. How did, how did everyone feel about Michael Gambon in this film? He is Basil Exposition, but is that a problem or did you enjoy he's, what he was doing? I thought he was meant to be orange to, so that you didn't... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But as in, I mean, they hadn't turned up and gone. No, uh, something went wrong in the sunbed. No, he's like meant to be down Marbella, isn't he? Like he's my my film knowledge isn't robust enough, but you can help me out. What is it, or what other films have I seen where you've got a threatening situation? You might, you may or may not get killed. Oh, that was the other thing. Why take him to the top of a building? Why take Daniel Craig to the top of a building? Like, here I am, son. Don't fuck with me. Right, should we go? And then just walks him off the top of a building. Why not do something threatening? Somewhere else. 
I think it was to scare him initially to go, look how powerful I am. I could chuck you off here. I can use a lift. Um, and no one else can use this lift. But, yeah. What, what are you not? I don't understand. Sorry, so he take him to the top of the building to show him that he could chuck him off if he wants to. He could do lots of shit to him. Like, I just, yeah, but that's what he's chosen it's a little... to make like a dramatic statement. No, because it's emasculating in some ways to be like, imagine walking off a rooftop with someone you've been like, I was going to throw you off this rooftop, but now I'm not. Oh, sorry, you first. Like, there are other ways but of getting as out. as a result of the conversation they've had, doesn't that change things? And so Michael I don't Gambon... think so. I think what Chris but... said was right. He was never going to throw him off the rooftop because he's too useful, because he's too fucking clever. So it but was it's still scared. a show of power, though. Mm. To take someone to a rooftop. And suspend <laughs> them over the edge. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. What the hell? He's got his head over the edge. Sorry, not, I forgot. They weren't just standing having a chat. <laughs> All right, fine. He what, opens I'm his trying... eyes and he's looking down yeah, 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 to that, the ground. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yep, that works. Apologies, everyone. Right. What I was going to say was, what other film is it where you've got, that, you've got that exact scene and he's like, this is it for you, son. Pause. Do you want to know what a remora fish is? And it's like the the the, the flip, the thematic flip to mm. something that seems irrelevant, but actually is really thematically on point. Probably a James Bond film. Yeah, <laughs> just really the annoyed vil- me. The villain. I would have been like, oh, go on, what's a fucking remora fish then? Oh. Is it like really oh, powerful oh, oh, and predatory? Bond. Bond. Are we still dying? <laughs> yeah, I've got Bond. I've got <laughs> one more. Bond. Oh, Fine. I've got one more, but it's a bit of a trick one. When he's at the country club in chinos, half Bond. <laughs> because country club, yes, chinos, no. Yeah. Um. He's wearing a suit though, isn't he? Isn't yeah, he wearing exactly. a, he's wearing a brown, a light, a beige suit. Which chinos. I just said chinos it's a cream twice. Suit though, it's a full suit. It's which, not just which, chinos. It's like the full suit. It's bond. Yeah, it's a it's suit. It's a, Craig even wears a suit like that in one of the. It's bonds. my game. Yeah. It's half bond. Okay, fine. Um, um I, one thing I would say is I like Eddie Eddie Temple. I like films where they tell you what's going to happen, but you're maybe not hearing it. So Eddie Temple's off to see the damnation of Faust. He says where a man sells his soul to the devil and it all ends Kill in tears. Kill me now! Oh my god! These regs usually do. <laughs> And also, Jimmy says to him, people like you can't leave the business because you make too much money for people like me. All this stuff is true. And yet, I'm still surprised at the end of the film when he gets killed. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say. Yes, I know. I wasn't that surprised. It doesn't really fit Jimmy's threat, though, because no. when Jimmy says that, he's like, people like you can't leave the business because you make too much money for people like me. Which implies that he would be killed at the end if it was someone going, we can't let you go because yeah, you either know business. too much or anything. But it's it's, it's a pissed off Sydney going, that was my girl. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah and that's that's the end. Um, he's about to walk off. Sienna Miller pops up conveniently, having not seen her for <laughs> however long, because their attraction is so irresistible that she just is where he is. And they're about to get into his lovely car, Bond, and he gets shot by Ben Whishaw. Not Bond. It reminded me of Carly. He's in Bond. (laughs) He's in Bond. Bond, he's definitely Bond. <laughs> he's Bond. Because he's cute. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of Carlito's Way. That's what it reminded me yeah. of at the very end of that, yeah. where the, a young punk who you... Oh, this is a spoiler for Carlito's Way. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, it's an old film. Okay, great. Well, yeah, a, a young kid who pops up early on, who um, mm. who the main guy wrongs in some way, just returns at the end, and poof, just as he's trying, just as he's about to get out. Just about to get out. The, the alternate ending they shot, which you mentioned at the start, that rather than him getting shot, they just drive off into the sunset together, um, him and Sienna Miller. Uh, the studio didn't know they were going to shoot a scene of him being killed. Yeah. And it, they, they kept it a secret. So it wasn't on the call sheets. And even the rushes... They put NG on the rushes that had this footage in. No good. Not good. So that no one would look at it. And so they didn't see it until they watched the first cut of it. And they hated it. He said they had a heart attack when they saw it and told him he had to get rid of it. But then they tested it and the public liked it. 
And so public good taste is why we got a much better ending. It than... is a better ending, but it's... I agree with what Alex said, which is it doesn't... It, it's If he'd been shown to be the sort of person that didn't pay attention to the most basic rule of all, which is don't steal another man's bird, then fine. But because... I mean, Ben Whishaw does play it brilliantly, but because he's toothless you don't see that threat come in because their relationship isn't that developed. You don't really know what he's stolen from Ben Whishaw apart from an extremely good looking girl, which is not everything. So it, it, it just, it was a shock ending, but a shock without depth. Also, I, I really like endings like that though, where it's, you know, you're, de- you're in this criminal underworld, you're dealing with these villains and yeah, this could come from any direction. You're not as smart as you think you are. Bang. It was that, it was the person you didn't expect. I th- I think I like the way it kind of undermined, um, what, who this guy thought he was. Also, it's the fact that uh, Ben Whishaw's character says, sorry, as yeah, he walks off. Yeah. And it made me think, was it to do with Sienna Miller at all? Or was it because Ben Whishaw, her, Sydney, his character, had found out about, you know, the Duke being killed, who he clearly admired and clearly yeah. thought was the best guy in the world? Well, it was his, it's his cousin, isn't his it? Cousin, yeah. His cousin, so, yeah. Uh, it's, um, whether it was to do with some, some other thing that had happened over the course of the film. It's the thing that was in... The Long Good Friday, which is you can't escape these very basic emotions and these very basic rules and retribution and acts of revenge. And Ben Whishaw, as the Duke's nephew, the Duke is all about like shouting and doing things that are demonstrative and foolish. And so he sort of has to do that thing at the end. And so the, no matter how much of a businessman Daniel Craig is, he cannot escape the, you know, the basic rules of the jungle kind of thing. Mm. Um, that's all I have. That's all my vitriol about. Um, basically, if it hadn't started with a 10-minute voiceover, it would have been better. Wow. Sorry. Hey, you forgave, I you com- forgave the Long Good Friday, though, for a confusing start. I did, yeah. yeah. This one, this was a voiceover. I wonder if I can predict what Vicky's change is going to be. No. <laughs> oh, let's do it just before. Um, there, 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 weirdly, uh, there was a sequel to this. Uh, Viva La Madness was published in 2011, resumes after the first... Um, it's a book, though. It's the, a book, yeah. yeah. No, I'm getting to that. All right. Um, the unnamed narrator and his partner in crime, Mortimer, a.k.a. Morty, are the two that survive from the first film. It begins in the Caribbean with Morty attempting to recruit the reluctant narrator back to London and the crime business as a super salesman um, and a closer for a UK syndicate. Now, um, Daniel Craig, Matthew Vaughan weren't interested in doing anything with that book. But do you know who was? I do. I do, actually. <laughs> Why? Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Statham purchased the rights in 2013. Could have been anyone. He was going to take on the role. That's why, that's why I'd stepped in. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded a bit like Bob Hoskins, actually. I did, <laughs> I've got one voice. Uh, but that was seven years ago now, so maybe that's something we're never going to see, but Statham fancied stepping um, into those shoes. On the telly? That's what I read. Was yeah. it going to be a TV series? That was 2015. No, the last thing that anyone wrote about it was 2015 when it was going to be a TV series. Mm. So I think it's disappeared. Lovely. Uh, any more for any more? Or are we moving on to the bits, Let's Victoria? move on to the bits. Mm. Um, Chris, what would you say your best scene is? I'm torn between two. I do like the opening scene. I do like the drugs in The Chemist. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. They, um, Vaughan is mates with the bloke who runs FC UK. And you that's would fucking how have got... to be, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite shocking, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite shocking of them to want to Couldn't be... Couldn't believe it. I was yeah. like, what's the deal here? So that's the deal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, but I, I, do, I do like that ending. I think it's the last thing you'd expect from the last person you'd expect. And it... it Caught me by surprise that first time I watched it, and I think it's a very. It makes the film that much more memorable for me, having the not having the happy ending. Mm. So mine 
Uh, you're not going to say my name, just look at me. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Uh, you know, we can do that. Time is money. Uh, right, uh, so I'm going to do a scene that you've already mentioned, Victoria, but I'm, I'm going to read it um, ad verbatim because. Uh, well, I said ad verbatim. Or... No, no, I'm going to read the scene oh, sure. ad verbatim because okay. uh, you didn't. Uh, so, uh, Dragon, I've got an idea. Why don't you come round for breakfast? I'll squeeze some orange juice and grind some coffee and we'll talk about this like adults. How does that sound? Sounds very hospitable. Do you know where I live? No. Well, fuck off then. <laughs> it is very good. It's just a wonderful piece of dialogue. Yeah. Uh, mine is just where he can't sleep because he's killed someone. I think it's it's, it's it's the scene itself is really good, but um, it shows if there'd been more of that in this film, I think I just would have enjoyed it a lot more. Just something a bit deeper. Okay. Um, MVW Alex. MVW. Uh, so uh, I've got a runner-up this week because I, I, we we've not really talked about him much on the show, but I do think Cole Meany is yeah. great in this. Mm. I really like him, and he was great in a small role in Gangs of London on Sky recently. And I just I think he's good. I loved him in loved him in Connor. So uh, I'm giving him a runner-up mention. Uh, but um, my winner this week is a Daniel Craig. Um, because uh, while I'm really happy that this got him Bond, and I think he has been an incredible Bond, having watched this now for the first time, I cannot wait to see him come out of Bond and be doing roles like this, and especially start flexing his comedy muscles again. Like, my best scene is, is him doing a comedy scene. And again, watching Knives Out recently and Logan Lucky, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is the best thing in, I just think it's exciting that just roles that aren't James Bond are going to be coming from Daniel Craig in the future. So I think that's exciting. I always think that's an issue when you cast someone as as James Bond. I don't actually like it when they cast a really good actor because then you lose that guy for the best part of 20 years. Because mm. Chiwetel Ejiofor was always the guy I wanted to play Bond. But I'm like, do I want him to not be acting in other films for three years every five years? Mm. It's, um, so yeah, I agree with you there. And I agree with you on Craig. Uh, I also really like the soundtrack. I think it's amazing oh, it the soundtrack. Yeah. I love that remix of Four to the Floor. You've got the love. You've got um, Duran Duran, Rolling Stones, Joe Cocker, this is, this is the cult, and that mashup of Blue Monday and Can't Get You Out of My Head. Um, I remember they sent us the soundtrack. I got them sent a soundtrack at Hot Dog, and before, before the days of Spotify, we had that on the office every day for a long time. But I'm going to go for Matthew Vaughan. I think this was a really impressive, slick, stylish um, directorial debut and I just think he's really really good behind the camera he said he'd spent so much time behind cameras he felt quite confident although it took him a while to remember that it was his job to say cut um, but yeah and I, I like almost everything he's directed as well I mm. think he's he's really knows what he's doing so I, I think as a as a debut I was really impressed with this yeah I agree with all of that um, but mine would also just have to be Daniel Craig he's just uh, it's just next level stuff, and but also because he gets a chance to be funny, like you said, and also look a bit shit, like when he's doing like red eyed and wild when he's killed Jimmy, and obviously he can't do that as Bond. But when he does do the Bond impressions in this, they're just amazing. Like mm. he's amazing. The way he moves, the way he walks and moves. That's that's what I felt like was the Bond edition. Just the way he carries himself through a scene. Yeah, that is that is what you have to have to be James Bond. It, yeah, it's quite amazing though because. You realise how much muscle he's put on for Bond. Because in this, he's a normal-sized man. And yet, watching this now, having seen him as Bond, he looks so much like slimmer. And you, know like- what? you know, I don't know if he had got Bond by the time I interviewed him. Probably hadn't. But I remember that day when I interviewed him at Soho House, he was wearing a T-shirt and I was... I was like, that's not the same bloke. He'd gotten so much bigger in uh, whenever, probably eight, nine months since he'd shot that. Mm. I don't know if he was putting on for Bond or, or whether he was just getting fit. But yeah, you're right. It's a, the, the the build is different. It is. 
Uh, what would you change, Alex? Uh, remind me what uh, your best scene was, Chris. Uh, I really like the ending. I think it's a terrific ending <laughs> and it's the best scene in the film. So I changed the ending uh, because it's the worst scene in the film. <laughs> I really don't like it. I either want the novel's ending where he uh, ends up in Venezuela having been shot uh, by Sydney and uh, but then waking up uh, in a co- coming out of a coma he's got a steel plate in his head and he's told to get out of the country and he goes to Venezuela and opens a bar which sounds bloody lovely or quite simply the version that I didn't know they'd shot where he drives off into the sunset I reckon if you watched it you wouldn't want it because it look it's just a bit cringe like it doesn't really work as Vicky said um, Sienna Miller where she popped up from and it's like this there's just sort of gigg- he's almost giggling at the end he gets in the car drives off and then there's a shot of him just kind of smiling and it just feels a bit off. I know we disagreed with this at the very start of uh, the first episode this week, but it is, if you read about this film, it is left ambiguous. It does look like he's dying, but he doesn't actually die in camera, so... There is a theory that he doesn't die, so I'm hanging on to that. Also, I will... That theory, though, that theory was definitely Matthew Vaughan... Well, definitely J.J. Connolly was the one who kept saying... I think Matthew Vaughan was saying, yeah, he's dead, I've shot him, I've killed him. And J.J. Connolly was saying, yeah, he's not dead, we can definitely make another film. We can definitely make another film. (laughs) And I I will add this to it, though. Uh, And as I said, when I watched both these movies, literally back to back, I did have a hangover, and after the long Good Friday, I just really needed a win for someone, Uh, like even a drug dealer. So timing is the issue here, and uh, I just needed someone to ride off into the sunset. So that was uh, why I really didn't want him to die. The only other thing, which is a much smaller thing, uh, was I'm not sure about the need for Morty's backstory with Freddy and the Greasy Spoon fight, um, because it's a nice little bit, but it's meant to set up this idea that throughout the movie, Daniel Craig is told... If that if this guy dies, you will end up in court, either going down mm-hmm. with Morty or as a witness sending him down. Mm-hmm. You'll finger him, right? And then this you're introduced to that theme, and by the time at the very end when they drive into the meeting, someone goes, uh, "By the way, uh, Freddie came out of a coma," and he goes, "Oh, great, that's good news." That's that then, and it's like he was <laughs> that's like, not how it works. What, what the hell was that? Yeah, you're what? still getting done for GBA. But it was it was just also this this crazy thing like I'd forgotten that that was even set up because it is not referenced again until that point. So I just yeah. felt that was a bit unnecessary. Mm. But I quite like the, the fight and I did like the fry-up, so there you go. <laughs> um, what would you change? Uh, I There's not a lot in this film I would change, but I would. I thought the marketing came, campaign was a disaster for this. It was too clever for its own good. The poster, the, the cover they put on the novel... And even the teaser trailer, the, the, the post for this film was a yellow Jeep with an iron on top of it. Yeah. I think that really messed up. And I, th- I think the title's not great as well. No. I think the title, I've got, I've got, I'm not going to read, read them out because they're quite JJ boring. I read like, it just came to me. It's like, try again. <laughs> I, <I've> got, <laughs> it's I mean, I've got two long quotes, which I won't read out, but two long quotes by him explain when I could, what I asked him, what does layer cake mean to you? It's a and delicious it's just a cake. Lo- it's a load of bollocks what he comes back to me. So I think while this film was a success, I think it could have been a much, you know, as big as those Guy Ritchie films if they'd got that campaign right and if they'd changed the film and if they'd just made people understand what it was. You know, you were put off because you thought you were just seeing a Guy Ritchie film without the jokes when it's actually much better than that. I, I kind of uh, agree with you a little bit. I really, I, I don't know where the idea of spelling layer cake with the letters on a registration mm. plate of a Land Rover came from uh to me it smacks of uh like i think i guess it's something the character the duke would do in it 
But I don't know why, but it always reminded me of fucking Essex boys mm. because their poster was a burnt out Land Rover uh, at the start. And I was like, oh, so it's going to be like Essex boys, which I did not like. Mm. I'm having flashbacks now. That day when I was in Vaughan's office and those dogs were frightening me, he was showing me a lot of the this marketing campaign saying, what do you think of it? And I what what are you supposed to say? I said it was good. So this might be my fault. Yeah. Yeah, because really? in my head I thought it was bollocks. Because he'd but... set the fucking dogs yes, on you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of Only Fools and Horses. Like the minute you see yellow like that, and it's mm. just like, just, yeah. Um, uh, did you, you really it? not mind the voiceover? At I the had beginning? no problem with it. You didn't yeah. think it was too long? It's 10 fucking minutes. You see, I didn't feel it. I, and, and when, the same with Eddie Temple, when Eddie Temple's doing all exposition, I, I just, I quite enjoyed it. I, I guess I like a film where they kind of set out the rules for you at the beginning so you know where you stand. But I agree with you, it is lazy, lazy writing. As we know, when you're sitting down to write something, you, you know, the rule is don't do voiceover if you can help it. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you're going to do it, make it good and don't make it 10 minutes. Like fucking, anyway, that's my bugbear, obviously. So my change is uh, to, I've got loads. Um, <laughs> what? You do not. Here we go. Full of surprises. I'll, I'll just rattle them off. First one, you won't be expecting this. More Tom Hardy, please. I don't want to see that man and then not see him. I want to see that man. He's in it. And you're like, yay, Tom Hardy's. Oh, he doesn't do nothing. Again, it reminded me of bloody rock and roller. Tom Hardy's in that and he's hardly in it. You're like, but he, no, but he's much more memorable in rock and roll. Handsome Bob, isn't he? Yes. Whereas here, he kind of fades in the background. I've got. Bought that issue of hot dog in. I reviewed layer cake. Don't mention Tom Hardy. Well, no, because he doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. But um, you're, you're absolutely right, yeah. So there's that. Um, I've said it earlier. Make uh, Daniel Craig so smart that the whole thing was an elaborate setup orchestrated by him all along. Uh, like a usual suspect style ending. Like, the, you know, the, everything, the scales fall from your eyes and you're like, oh, that was that. That was that. Oh, fuck. Oh, and then he lives. Yep. Or, and he's, like, oh, he's actually in with the Serbians and he's going to he's gonna take this operation European, yeah? Oh. Like Long Good Friday. But anyway. Oh, quick question. Does... Um... Does Michael Gambon die when they rob those guys of the pills, or do you not? Because you, you, you don't see him on screen. You know, at the end where they they get the pills back. I don't. Oh, with the armed robbery. Yeah, yeah I don't think they're alluding to him he, being killed. Okay, because yeah. they kill his men who've got the pills though to get the pills off them. Yeah. Right. right okay. Um. Or um. Last last of my changes would be. Uh, ben Wishaw pops up, shoots Mr. X, and then Sienna Miller's like, yeah, the reason I've not said anything for an hour and a half or done anything for an hour and a half is because I'm a fucking gang boss, turns out, and this is all my elaborate setup, so fuck you, men. No, But no not one. fuck you, Ben Wishaw, because you're lovely. And then jumps in the car and steals the money and rides off into the sunset. No, you wouldn't be expecting that, would no, you? No, I would my... believe a woman could do that. <laughs> my question is, when she says, because I'm just writing it down so I'm clear. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm reading what Alex is writing, and it's quite surprising. <laughs> fuck men. Uh, no, no, but no. Not, not fuck you, Ben Wishaw. Because you're lovely. Because you're lovely. Could that be delivered as a voiceover? <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing if her voice came up at the end. She's like, and you thought all I was look good in knickers. Turns out I'm a fucking businessman. I'm the smartest woman in the room, which is any woman in any room full of men, apart from you, Ben Wishaw. Because <laughs> you're lovely. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> what? Does she even say, and roll credits? Because yeah, I understand. I'm telling you, Michael Vaughan. You don't know when to say cut. I fucking do. I don't know. Your name's Matthew Vaughan, though, do I? Oh, Michael shit. Vaughan. <laughs> I'm sure he's never had that before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the smartest woman in the room, Michael. Oh Ma- Ma- Matthew. That's why yeah. he's got those dogs if people call him Michael Vaughan. <laughs> I also know I'm in a film. Roll credits. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good. I am uh, right, though. That is the end of Layer Cake. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, it's time to decide which film is the winner this week. It's The Verdict. 
Chris, these were your choices. Why don't you guide us through? Uh, I'd probably go with Vicky first. Yes, I'm going to go with Vicky first. Uh, Vicky, uh, which Long Good Friday did you like best? <laughs> I like the Long Good Friday that I realised it was after 20 minutes. I think it's fantastic. And with a few days grace from having watched it, I think it's one of the best films I've ever seen. I thought it was mm. amazing. It, and it definitely, uh, repeat views is good as yeah, well. A second view of it is no very contest. good. I can see why you made the comparison and I'm, it was fun to watch Layer Kick, but it doesn't, it's just in a, uh, Long Good Fridays in another league altogether. Alex? I, um, I really loved both these movies and it was a real a reminder this week for me that I should take that chance sometimes and watch a new film that I haven't seen as opposed to just re-watching Aliens. So <laughs> I, I really learned a lesson because uh, they were both really great. I really enjoyed both these films. Thank you for picking them, Chris. Uh, but I do think without The Long Good Friday, uh, we possibly wouldn't have Layer Cake, quite simply. Oh, that's a good point. Because it revolutionised the British gangster movie and I think some of the DNA of The Long Good Friday has seeped down and is still very present in Layer Cake. So I have to, uh, based on that, pick The Long Good Friday. So a win for The Long Good Friday. It is a Yay! win for The Long Good Friday, but obviously, where would you have gone, Chris? But on that point, I think you say revolution. I think it is interesting that... Just watching these two back to back and thinking about it, American gangster films seem to be about the rise and fall, where ours are much more plot driven. We have these tight plots with twists and twists and turns and cross and double cross, whereas theirs seem to be about, you know, that rise and fall. But anyway, um, I'm going to start with a direct quote from Layer Cake writer J.J. Connolly, uh, who I asked, what is the best ever British gangster film? And he said, The Long Good Friday. <laughs> it's pure class, very short time frame, great characters type plot. Also, I've got an issue here because in April 2018, I wrote an article ranking the best British gangster films. <laughs> so it's out there in the ether, including these two. Um, Where did they both come? I haven't changed my mind since this rewatch. Uh, at number four, I put Layer Cake. Nice. I said what it lacks in depth, it more than makes up for in slick, sophisticated, streamlined entertainment. Nice bit of alliteration. Uh, I put above it at number three, Sexy Beast. Num yes, uh, that's a better film. That's why I put it above it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you understand how this works. <laughs> uh, number two, hopefully a future uh, episode, Get Carter. And number one, Long Good Friday. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So it is a three for three for the Long Good Friday. Congratulations to that movie. It is our champion this week, besting Layer Keg, which I think was still very good, uh, as does Chris. Uh, Vicky, mm. not so much. So uh, that is us done. Uh, Victoria, you gave us a clue on the earlier episode this week, mm -hmm. so-called episode one, uh, <laughs> as to what the movies were going to be next week on Clash of the Titles. Remind us of the clue and then tell us the movies. The clue was, what a difference 10 years makes. And the films that you are going to be watching are, uh, Alex, you have got Gross Point Blank. And Chris, you've got Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. What? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to swap? No, I, I take right. them as, a, as they come. Right, Vicky fine. has her reasons. No, I've tr I, I trust. I trust. I, I trust in Vicky's reasoning. Absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> uh, well, wonderful. I'll be doing a gross point blank then. Um, uh, before we leave you, uh, Chris, any other business? Yeah, uh, on the Water World Aquaman episode, I suggested people might like to leave us a review on the Apple um, app. 
Oh, to win a DVD, no less. To, to win a Blu-ray of Waterworld. And it was hugely successful um, in, in getting people to write reviews because one person wrote a review. <laughs> <laughs> one person. People don't want a Blu-ray of oh, Waterworld. Right, it's Waterworld. It's Waterworld's problem, not <laughs> yeah. ours. Hey, yeah. um, Paulie Boy wrote a review. He said, he said he's all in on this podcast. Hey, hey call back. <laughs> Long-time listener. Yep. And um, he wrote, with, with its blend of humour, insight and banter, this is a must-listen for film fans. Especially those who think Mark Kermode is a wee bit highbrow. I do think that. Wow. Which I thought that's lovely, and then the more I thought about it, that's that's quite rude. No, it's not. So we're for people who think Mark. We're for people who want lowbrow. Yes. It's saying that we're lowbrow. I'm not. I'm not we really. Are. I don't really enjoy this section where first of all we buy reviews, and then <laughs> then once then we, we bought the review, <laughs> we moan about I'm the review. Mind, we only got one. Uh, uh, Poorly boy, you can email us at showitclashpod.com if you want the Blu-ray. We'll send it to you. Um, Martin's dad. Does anyone know who Martin's dad is? They wrote a review. Has anyone got a Martin in their life? No. They wrote a nice. Review. I just wondered. Mm. And and Quack Twenty Eight wrote a review. I like, but this is before we did the, the competition. Uh, the hosts per- perfectly play off each other. Um, oh, no, not that one. It is... <laughs> <laughs> but I fucking hate it. <laughs> if only they talked about something with a little more highbrow. Uh, no, Mixmaster G said, um, Alex is more entertaining than I thought he would be. Yes, I've read that. Yes. <laughs> is that a friend yeah. of yours or is that someone who's... Uh, that's, yeah, let's, let's pretend it's a very close friend. OK. Uh, yeah, because uh, he, he does say Vicky's laugh is infectious, Chris knows everything, <laughs> Alex is more entertaining than I thought that's, he would be. He's saying you're entertaining. Yeah, more entertaining is what he's saying. Anyway, uh, just to go back to the original Paulie boy, thank you for that review. I did appreciate it, even if Chris didn't. But uh, that's Chris. Uh, so uh, thank you. And uh, if you do want to email us, it's show at clashpod.com. We will send you, Chris will send you, the uh, Waterworld <laughs> Blu-ray. Uh, right, we're out of here. We are doing Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion versus Gross Point Blank next week. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify or other. It is hugely appreciated. Back with you on Monday. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.